All right, we are back and ready to go, this time with a topical discussion. First episode of t Topic on the Table, I believe. Topic on the Table. The you table. have to put the article in there. Topic on the Table. You can join us, join our table, at your table, while you're listening to this. Or your car. Your ca Yes, most people are probably going to listen in their car. That's what I would do if I were you. That's most people that I've talked to, actually, is listening in the car. Well, it's just, Connor, I'm telling you, we're just so dang long. <laughs> we can't we can't have people just sitting there listening to it. I mean, it's unreasonable, honestly. No, I, I, think that's, I think that's the really cool part about podcast form and audiobooks is that people can listen to them while they're doing other things, whether they're driving, they're doing dishes, cleaning the house. Um, or if they're some of the more talented people that can multitask <laughs> while they're working, congratulations. That's actually me. That is not me. I cannot do it. It really bothers me. I actually, really, I, I really wish I could because it would be so great while I'm going through work stuff, but it's like my mind hones in on one thing. So if there's any amount of processing power that my brain needs to take to solve an issue at work, I'm thinking about it and I totally tune out the podcast. It's total background noise. And I'm like, ah, dang it. And I'll have to go back to it and rewind back to the last thing that I clearly remember. And it just... It's... And you go back like two hours. Like, oh, yeah, the first thing I remember was like from, oh, five uh, minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> Guess I need to re-listen uh, to the entire thing. I have done that so many times. Yeah. I mean, I'm not... I mean, I sympathize, but I can... I manage to somehow do both. And I don't think it's really like multitasking. I will admit you kind of go back and forth like slowly between things. Mm -hmm. But I will say like the better you know the topic that the podcast is going through, the better you can kind of jump in in the middle. Like if you That's fair. have like, you know, 30 seconds where you're focused on another project, you can kind of jump in and, and figure out a little bit of what's going on. Will you get like perfect um, understanding of the podcast? Probably not. But I feel like for, for you and I, I think, you know, listen to us in the car, our soothing voices... Are soothing, beautiful voices. They are beautiful. I mean, I can't speak for Connor. Mine is beautiful. <laughs> Not sure about Connor's. You but... previously called it the voice of a prepubescent boy. So. Okay, it is. I I don't I don't think it sounds incredible, but it's fine. Connor makes me sound better in post. He makes me sound, I guess, just better. Uh, you know what? Audio software is amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, uh, off topic, which is very sad because it's called Topic on the Table, and we've already thrown the topic off the table to talk about it something completely different. It is the introduction. It, it is. is. Okay. Our topic for today, though, is going to be progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity. Mm-hmm. So interesting. And then before we get into this, kind of our purpose for for this um series of topic on the table is to kind of have a casual and kind of open conversation uh regarding different topics uh so you know you're gonna hear some opinion i'm um, gonna hear some questions we might not know all the answers we probably don't um but Def definitely don't know all the answers definitely don't know all the answers but we're kind of musing through this together and for people um well, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously listening from home or your car or somewhere. Um, we have not discussed a ton of this stuff prior uh, to recording. So nope. everything you're hearing is is kind of us. It, this would kind of be us like if we we're just hanging out. This is something we'd probably just talk about. More or less. Yeah. With anybody around us. Um, I I did take some time today, this morning and yesterday to go through some videos just to see where progressive Christianity is at these days. Um, and they were interesting. Some of them, the, the channel, the YouTube channel Jubilee does a lot of really good videos with people with conflicting opinions, anything from 
political, cultural, mm-hmm. uh, to religious, and they bring in people from the polar opposite, you know, spectrum side of the spectrum, and they usually have really good conversation. Um, they try to make sure it's pretty well balanced, and uh, that one was particularly interesting for me. Yeah, um, because of you, you had some very different people in there. Um, so I, I'll, I'll let me find the title real quick, actually, because I would recommend people go and watch that one. Yeah, I kind of, and the reason why I, I, I kind of was thinking we would talk about progressive Christianity is because it's come up a lot in my daily life. I've had a lot of conversations about it recently, um, and I've honestly been asking a lot of different questions, you know, to people about it, kind of giving even my own two cents on it with some with some other people. So it's definitely just been a topic that's been coming up in my own life, and I thought, well, why not? Why not discuss it here with you? Because I haven't actually mm-hmm. talked. I've talked to everyone but you, Connor. <laughs> oh, I'm everyone the last but one. you. You're the last one, but you're the most important one. How about that? I'll take um, it. So that was. So I even have been you know, listening to some different podcasts, and I've listened to different stuff over the years. But recently, I think it was. I think it was this week. I was listening um, to a podcast on it. Uh, that was pretty good, and it's. And I think the important thing. With progressive Christianity, at least, is that I want to approach it as like gracefully as I can. Um, mm-hmm. So both Connor and I, I would not describe us as progressive Christians no. really in any sense. Like if you've been listening to podcasts long enough, you probably can you probably can see that it's pointing a bit more towards traditional um, Christianity or more evangelical Christianity. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and just talk about progressive Christianity. What what does it look like? Like it almost takes all these different forms, right? It, yeah, no, it it does, um, but it doesn't at the same time because they leave things very open ended. Uh, and that video, by the way, was liberal Christians and conservative Christians off mm. the channel Jubilee. Uh, it's about twenty minutes long. Highly recommend it. Uh, and the part that I mean by them leaving it open is that. In order to embrace some of these philosophies or these ideals, they have to dispense with portions of scripture. Um, well, because we'll think about it. So we have the term progressive Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Progressive, like I know everyone thinks about progressive as in a progressive, a political progressive. Um, but take the word progressive on itself. Progressive is moving forward. A certain level of adapting and, and, and changing. Mm-hmm. So when we think about progressive Christians, they're kind of almost leaving the route um, and going uh, in a different direction. And the question is, what is what is that direction? Um, which I think you and I will get into a little bit more. But um, but continue on, Connor. Yeah. So, and I found with the videos that I was watching that this is a pretty common thread where uh, I, I would say that the I'm trying to think of the, the topic the or or the the idea that it progressive Christianity kind of formed around and it seems to be around uh the acceptance and that's kind of a loaded term um of the LGBTQ plus community. Like what do you what do you mean by that? Like in regards to it, it can't be a sin. Um or is it a sin like what what is the what is what does acceptance mean in in their terms? Yeah, and then that's kind of what I I meant by by a loaded term because it really depends on where you go what you mean exactly by acceptance. Um in this case for the progressive Christian, acceptance means accepting of the lifestyle. 
and that essentially the Bible has it wrong or it was just a cultural um, a cultural frame within time that is not relevant today, hence the progressive name to it. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got some arguments for it, some stronger uh, than others, but that does seem to be the beginning the beginning part where this kind of moved and uh, the progressive Christianity movement has enveloped other things into its cause. But it seems to be the first, at least that I can identify uh, is going to be anybody that wants to be in a relationship outside of heterosexual uh, man and woman within marriage. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's a specific context to bring as far as uh, biblical Christianity is concerned is that it is between a man and a woman and they have to be married. You could even um, probably even say there's a level of um, progressive Christianity in regards to heterosexual couples who decide to to live together. Um, and, to and, live together and not get married. And, and that one, that would be kind of an interesting one as well. I don't care if they get married under the government because I don't think the government is the arbiter of marriage. If they have a ceremony and it's done before their friends and family, I, I think that that's... I mean, depending on the friends and family, I think that's binding enough. Um, not not really caring so much about the government side of it because they're the government. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, you're hitting on a you're hitting on a larger point when it comes. What I've noticed with progressive progressive Christianity is you talked about this LGBTQIA. I don't really know how many letters they have at this point. I think there's like a plus sign at the end. Yeah, there's a plus sign because it's. Sign. I yeah, you know, I'm not saying this to be disparaging, but it, they keep adding to it. Yeah, it it really yeah, it's 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 not good. It's not good marketing. Either. I want to say they added another B, uh, for black, or they changed the B to black, and uh, they decided to refer to bisexual as something else, which is just another interesting like internal conflict that that has because. I've watched videos and interviews with people that they don't want to be called one thing, but you have, you have multiple terms for what essentially describes the same thing. And some people don't want to be referred to it um, as others. I, I think you're going to have uh, pansexual is one and bisexual is another. And there are other terms that are kind of fall within the same realm, but some of those words have been redefined even since five years ago, it seems. Uh, yeah, so no, some people crazy. don't want to be referred to as one and then the other, and it just doesn't follow. Like there's not really an official uh, breakdown of that acronym at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think there is, but not. Yeah, but not everybody seems to subscribe to it, and it just it's continuing to to change as it as it moves on. Yeah, I mean, which makes sense because you see a lot of I see a lot of weird stuff. I don't listen. I don't watch TikTok. But sometimes I see reaction videos to like conservatives. They'll they'll react to different um, sexuality uh, TikTok videos, and it's gotten bizarre. So I, I can't follow it. Yeah, it's it's really difficult to follow. So I can't imagine how um, ambiguous and confusing all the uh, letters are, and and how all those things somehow work together. But I think you're getting onto a much more broad point when it comes to progressive Christianity. This idea of acceptance. And I Mm -hmm. think, I don't know this for certain. Like, this is just me thinking out loud. Like, when I think about progressive Christians, I think they're almost having this tug of war in their brain of, if if God is good and he is loving, why does he allow this to happen? Why can't 
um, people who are um, are homosexual or have that excuse me like same sex attraction why can't they act upon their um, same sex attraction mm-hmm. uh, why can't why can't they do that who is to say that you know there aren't more ways to heaven why does it have to be that strict uh, for lack of a better word getting getting into heaven why why doesn't why don't why doesn't the church embrace um, social justice issues the way that we think they should like this is just and this is right why don't they pursue these things so I think it's come to a place of they want to be accepting and loving and there's almost this redefinition of love that happens where before you know it progressive Christianity doesn't look a whole lot different um, from the world where they look almost not not the same necessarily but there's a there becomes a lot of striking similarities. They uh, they look like a theistic version of society, like we believe in God, um, but that's that's about that's about where it stops. And this was what I found was interesting between at least uh, at least five. I would say it was probably five to seven different individuals over the course of several videos that I watched. Is that they it seems to be that they've taken scripture and they do not want to accept a literal interpretation of it. Um, because it's, they consider it to be dangerous due to past misuse of scripture. Um, and some of that was talked about and they, they brought up slavery in it. Uh, and, you know, taken out of context, there are parts of scripture that can be used for whatever purpose uh, you might want. And that that develops into a different conversation entirely, one that maybe we can have on here at some point. But they the start of it is that they don't want to interpret the Bible literally. Um, and they think that it was good for its time, but it's not necessarily relevant today. And they don't necessarily... Uh, take all of it as God's word. Um, some of them specifically pointed out that this is God's word through people, and it's not necessarily relevant uh, for people today. And um, can I ask a can I ask a clarifying question? Mm-hmm. These people that are talking are mostly. Do they have any sort of faith in God? Do they claim any sort of the- theistic religion? Yes. So you went you went from. Uh, the first pastor, actually, that I listened to, uh, by the end of it, after he had kind of gotten everything out off his chest for where he was at, where he was feeling, it seemed like it was just, he was pastoring a church that just generally believed in a God, not necessarily God of the Bible, uh, because they did not take, they didn't take the Bible as the framework, like the God-given framework for how to conduct yourself throughout life in accordance with his word is they more or less, they, they, they made the Bible fit into their worldview. They're not defining their worldview through scripture. Um, so that is where they start picking and choosing on which scripture they take. And the odd thing, and nobody pointed this out, um, in either, either the videos that I've watched is that when they would say, you can't take the Bible literally, is they're leaving it open-ended to just an infinite amount of interpretations, especially when they're sampling through which scriptures they want to take and which ones they don't want to take. Well, that's a well that that goes into another <laughs> that goes into another thing about when you embrace 
relativism, how it can leak into um, into Christianity, where there are some things in the Bible that are fairly uh, fairly straightforward. Um, you and I are not really Bible scholars, so we can't really speak mm-hmm. as much to um, its accuracy. We do know that it is accurate, and from the things that I've learned about it, it's miraculous how the book even came together. Um, and then scripture, if you take the time to read it, you'll find that it is incredibly complex. And the thing that I will give, I don't know if progressive Christians believe this or not, but I feel like this is something that they would when they talk about gray area. I think that there might be some some level of truth to that. I'm going to explain that in a second, so don't freak out on me, Connor. No, you're good. <laughs> um, where I'm actually... There's a new idea that was introduced to me that I'm I'm not sure about yet. I'm still thinking about it. It's it's a book by Peter Ennis. Um, okay. And he talks about specifically the Bible and what words we should use to describe it. And one of the words, I'm only in the first chapter. So again, a lot of explaining needs to be done. I'm still thinking about it. But I see there is a point here. He talks about that the Bible is ambiguous. Okay. Okay. And he's, he's he's taking time to explain. I'm only in the first chapter. He hasn't explained it all the way. But what he has explained is he's saying that it's ambiguous compared to how people want to view the Bible as a life manual, um, a, a list of rules and laws um, that one has to follow, which there are laws, there are rules, um, but not. But if you really dig into scripture, you'll find that there's a lot of things that you wrestle with. Mm-hmm. And that you tug with and you have to make sense with because there's the complexity of God and his character. There's a lot of uh, political things that happen in the Bible, historical things, and they're all all these pieces are working together. It's incredibly uh, complicated. And the point that he makes is that the Bible ought to be seen as, yes, you know, a moral help for life. And there are absolutely objective truths in the Bible because the Bible is true. Um, but he says it is we shouldn't neglect the part that is meant to find uh, a certain amount of wisdom from it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to remember where I was going with that. But all to say, if if progressive Christians want to go for relativism, obviously I reject that. But I do think that Christians who are not progressive make a mistake in saying that everything in the Bible, there is a definite, complete answer to everything. Um, and I would, and I would, and I would more point towards the fact that I think, I think that Ennis has a point in saying that it is incredibly wisdom based, and it's meant for us to seek out uh, and to find. Uh, and Proverbs talks about this at length of seeking out wisdom. Um, I've been going through Proverbs lately, so the things that the things that I go through in my life, they do eventually come onto the podcast because those are the things that I think <laughs> about the most. Um, but I think sometimes too, for progressive Christians, maybe where they're coming from is they feel like it's been rules or it's been these really strict. They're like, I don't understand this. Why? And the Bible, not the Bible, but sometimes the church maybe frames the Bible wrong and not yes. wrong, but like they, they don't give it the best framing and really encourage people to actually dig into scripture correctly with, with guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think they get kind of confused. And, and I think when it comes, I, I completely disagree with them that it's, that it's just a big rule book. If that's what they believe, I don't know. I think some might, um, I think, I'm sure there are some. I didn't run into anybody yeah. in the videos I was watching um, that were interviewed or discussing that right. 
that thought it was just a rule book. Now, some of them grew up in churches where it was just a pretty big rule book. Um, I think some of it is like a subtle thing. Um, and I and I do want to admit too that I am generalizing. So I'm saying, you know, there are maybe there are some that believe this, maybe there are some that don't. Mm-hmm. So if you're a progressive Christian listening to this, I'm not saying that everything we're talking about is necessarily going to apply to you, but it's just things that I've noticed from different uh, individuals. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of their opinions stem from. It's kind of odd though because they want to take this relativistic approach, and you know. 200 years ago that relative rel, relative approach uh did not serve you know the the black community particularly well uh just if the christians of that time and this is kind of odd because they use that as an example where they're like look uh christians have gotten the bible wrong you know before so how do we know that we're right about this now was a pretty common opinion it seemed uh across all of them and uh unfortunately there wasn't ever a particularly good answer um essentially to to the, the, the talking specifically about about slavery specifically about slavery and some other things that you could get into uh regarding scripture where specifically scripture is taken out of context but for all we know the people of that time i mean there was definitely nefarious people that did it on purpose but then there's others who just fully believed it went along with it yeah, no, I think, you know, any, and I've, I've done a little bit of research into this and I don't feel comfortable like giving a complete explanation, but what I will say, I think to anyone, and I had some conversations like this, this week where it's good to ask these questions, but I've noticed that people don't actually genuinely dig into it themselves. They just have objections. It's like they shout an objection and then mm-hmm. they just leave and they don't actually take the time to like and, and to to really dig it out and to and to search it out, mm-hmm. um, you have these conversations with people and they and and you can hear what we have to say, right? But at the end of the day, if someone once said, you know, if someone can talk you into it, someone someone can talk you out of it. What I have seen um, that makes Christianity different, and this is again me thinking out loud. Obviously, the slavery issue is huge mm-hmm. um any 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 christian that that held slaves um i mean i'd say that that was a that was a great sin um it was a great wrong i would agree um uh, and i'm talking about slave in in terms not of of servant because there's some difference in in biblical not, yeah, servanthood. Not, yeah a lot of the old testament stuff pertained to indentured servitude um even i believe even the the countries when they went to war with them and if they took them uh they took them essentially prisoner or slaves there, at least in Jewish culture. Now this, I believe this particularly pertains to Jews and maybe it was just extended later on because there was a way to work yourself out of it. And then at that point, yes. uh, it was either six or seven years for, for Jewish people. So if you, uh, say you had a, a brother or a sister, um, or just anybody within that city, that owed you a debt and couldn't pay it you they could go to work for you in an indentured servitude to to work it off but you still had a decent amount of freedom and you needed to be treated well and such um from when i've looked into it it's a little bit you didn't have as many rights if you were a conquered people and you were brought in um you i I don't know that they ever got to the point of treating them as slaves like they were uh in more modern times um 
but I don't think they had as many rights as the indentured uh, servants. Yeah. There's there's a lot of things. Again, you have a broken people um, doing, and 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 people forget too a lot of a lot of cultural, a lot of cultural pressure there, um, and that's not an excuse. By the way, it's not an excuse. It's just you have to take in the whole picture, and you have to be able to see things all the way. I'm thinking specifically about Thomas Jefferson. Um, I was learning a little bit about him, and there's a lot of objections to him. It's like, why didn't he? Why didn't he, you know, in the Constitution, you know, try to like free free the slaves? Why mm-hmm. are all men not created equal? And I was listening to a scholar talking about his strategy about why he did it, um, because at the time, and again, I'm not making a um, defense for him. I'm making an explanation. And remember, these people were in a difficult time in history, right? That we don't understand with different pieces being played that we don't understand uh, fully. But he talks about how he had a hope that if, if basically if he had tried to eradicate slavery right there and then that the colonies would never have come together and they would ultimately have been defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but they would have ultimately been defeated. And so what he did is that they had put that in the constitution saying that all men are created equal and all the colonies came together. Obviously we have the United States now, um, but he did it with the hope that that document would end up being fulfilled and that the slaves would be free. Um, so he made a strategic move to try to to try to make it happen, um, if that makes sense. Seems more like a long term gamble for me. That is. Yeah. And, and listen, you can have different opinions on that. Mm. Um, and, and there's a lot of different history about Thomas Jefferson that I don't know all the way. And I've heard some different things about his Bible. Um, I believe Thomas Jefferson um, he was very much, I was, I was reading about this. I'm trying to remember, but he very much did not like, uh, organized religion. I'm trying to remember. I think he was the one that didn't like organized religion. Um, and he, he actually had a Quran, I believe, Interesting. Um, as well. And no one knows he circled certain things or did certain things. No one knows why. Um, so it's very interesting. Um, but again, it's almost, I almost want to point to a certain kind of, of ignorance where again you shout the objection and then there's no real like true digging that happens to figure this out mm-hmm. um and so again not necessarily defense because i could it have been like we look in hindsight it's like well i would have done it differently it's like <laughs> were you mm. forming a country like how do you like what would you have done i'm just just a serious question like i it's despise a, that assumption yeah <laughs> um it's just um it, it's just kind of it's just kind of weird and the people they just look at articles they look at the headlines of articles and they don't take time to actually to actually dig in but i think it's a reasonable objection when you see slavery happen and you see it's it's done by Christians. Mm-hmm. And, I, and Christians that used scripture to justify it. Correct. And I think that the biggest difference, though, is that it has been corrected. That's mm. a big thing. It has been corrected. You look, for example, like they're saying like that's, I'm not saying that I can't say this for certain, but there's almost, I'm seeing an implication that they're saying that slavery is almost like a foundational thing, like that it's a part of Christianity that it's that they've used scripture to to justify or they've misused scripture. Now, by implying that the scripture is misused, they're saying that there is a correct use for it. Um, so, what does that say about the the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The inerrancy of the Bible, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's some interesting contradictions that I hear with that um, that I'm 
I'm not so I'm not so sure about. But let me get back to my point here. I'm rambling on, Connor. Oh, You're good. Keep going. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, where it almost it when I hear it, I hear that they're saying that there's something fundamental that was a part of Christianity that was slavery, um, which was corrected. But if you look at other religions that are causing a little bit more issue, um, Islamist extremists are a good example of this. The things, the crime that they commit is written very directly in the Quran. I've read these passages. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy stuff. Um, and they're following their religion. It is a pillar of it. And they do those things mm -hmm. with Christianity. There's been an acceptance that what happened there was wrong. You, I go to churches all the time in daily life. It's like, yeah, slavery was wrong. We should have never done it. Like, and they, and the message that's being preached is that we all are equal, um, and that we all are, we all can be, you know, children of God. So I think that there's, that's kind of where I would go with it. If someone was making those kind of objections, I think it's again, I want to affirm and understand that what happened there was wrong but the question is does that still stand today yeah it's more that they use that as a foundation example for why they think that the bible is incorrect about uh same-sex relations and they and like you pointed out in order to say that the Bible was wrong about that means that there is, or that there was, or that people were misusing it is to say that there was a correct way and that that wasn't it. Now there's some that just think it was flat out wrong and that the Bible is wrong in certain parts. So they cherry pick with what they like and don't like yeah. and fit if that into their narrative. If one part is wrong, the rest of it has to be wrong. And that's why I asked you, um, if these people had any sort of professing faith in in, in Christ, yes, or deeply or God. so, actually, and and that's and that's my issue. I, I would rather them just say I don't believe any of it at all. Like it's it's one or the other for me. Where I'm like, listen, if you don't believe this part of scripture, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not talking about necessarily a, a secondary issue where there is some level of of interpretation, you know, post trib, you know, no trib, I don't know, those kind of things where there is just deep. Uh, theological things going on there that I honestly don't understand nor do I care to really get into um, I'm trying to remember where I was going oh crap where was I going were you or were you just going in response to mine it was no it was a it was just a response to yours ah yes um, that they can't they can't just pick and choose like they either choose all of it or they choose none of it in mm -hmm. regards to the fundamentals um, and there's a lot to say about about marriage being a significant a significant fundamental um, that really can't that really can't be a compromise uh, on that as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, particularly because of the greater representation of the relationship between Christ and His Church that it represents. Yes, um, I mean, essentially, it was to give us a taste of what that is to be like, um, but. They, they leave this framework for life open. So you, you're going, you're you're going to start deciding what the what is relevant to scripture these days. And I was intrigued because I didn't hear it get called out in any of the discussions that you can, you could you could dismiss or make anything permissible at that point. 
if, if you don't have a solid framework that's given to you that tells you how to do things and you are just adding and taking away as you go, then what you might see as a really good thing right now may not be in 15 years because now you've included other things down the road that we'll say even right now you would maybe gawk at. It's impossible. They would never do that. So it was intriguing to me that they didn't, the only other uh, sin that really anybody ever really brought into the conversation was actually divorce. Um, divorce is a hard one for me. I, I kind of, I, I really struggle. I really struggle with that one. Um, I struggle with that one quite, quite a bit. Um, yeah, I struggle with that one. I don't think divorce is good. It's, it's not, and God yeah. does not like it, but he did give some pretty clear-cut ways of when uh, when it's, I guess, in some sense, acceptable. Yeah, which could mean that could be another another topic. I, uh, I think it is, um, for sure. But it, it was interesting to me that they didn't bring in anything else. And the, the thing is, is that New and Old Testament, yes, uh same-sex relations are in scripture old testament and new testament despite what people talk say that, that it's not in the new testament because it is and they didn't bring into account all the other sins that get listed along with that um and why aren't they like uh, well we'll say with the uh, fat acceptance movement that's been going around well, why not gluttony it's a very little talked about sin in the bible and it doesn't seem to really be hurting very many people you know, except for the person that is subject to it but it just seems that, that that seems to be the primary sin in the bible that they were concerned with uh making acceptable and the the way they go mm. about it though and i think this is there 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 is a part of progressive christianity that i think they do have right and that is their their empathy and their sympathy and their care for the people that are that are downtrodden um this is where i i guess it's more liberal versus conservative christians at this point um this is where i think that they actually excel uh beyond the conservative christians not that conservative christians don't do things um but the empathy in the way they do them is not good. And that's, or is, or is lacking entirely. And that uh, that's where a lot of these people came into it uh, because the church just dispensed with them entirely, which I think is an egregious mistake on the part of the church, because you know what? The church still lets the divorced people in. They still let the obese people in. They still let the liars, the slanders, the cheaters, and everybody else that's listed in scripture along with the homosexuals that scripture says will not enter the kingdom of God. And it's amazing to me that the, the conservative Christian churches, conservative churches in the past have just completely ignored the rest of those because they seem more minor. And I say this understanding that the Bible does make a particular point to point out that all other sins are committed outside of the man's body, but the, the sexual was committed within. Um, and, and that's maybe why that's why church has put it up on a pedestal uh, so much. Uh, the virginity per portion before and then even like the 90s scare, I kiss dating goodbye. Like the idea that. <laughs> oh, we'll never forget dating, that, will we? <laughs> no, never going to forget it. But just some of these things that church has really like they have put up this sexual sin on a pedestal, I think because of those scriptures, at least that's the way it seems to me. 
And in doing so, they've just lost sight of all the other ones that are wrapped up in the exact same scriptures along with it. Uh, the amount of pastors I've seen that it's like, it's really obvious to tell that you struggle with gluttony. Mm. It's really obvious because it shows on the outside. It's a little bit harder to tell with lust because that's an internal thing. Um, and in this case, I like using gluttony in this example when it comes to it because it's apparent from the outside. And so somebody that uh, at least is accepting of the homosexual lifestyle it's pretty apparent from the outside now if they're struggling with it that's a different story they may that that that's that can be more internal um and one of the people in those videos actually on the jubilee video was christian did have a same-sex attraction and he chose a celibate lifestyle because to him following god was more important than giving in to what he wanted uh, and that was interesting because it contrasted with a gentleman who was married to a man, um, who also professed to, to love and follow Christ. Uh, so they had a very interesting, um, dialogue. So I, again, I would recommend people go watch that one just to kind of see the, the two talk in a, in a nice civil discussion. Um, but kind of back to beating on the church about this, y you didn't cast out very many other people and i think this is this is something that the church has gotten wrong is how to approach this and tossing people out of the church or not letting them volunteer or serve is an awful mistake that they did make and i, I and i'm not the the arbiter of truth on this subject but to me it seems that the better way to show, is to be able to show them the love of Christ. You, know, you should be able to volunteer. Um, now, this is, I think the distinction for me comes into whether you are struggling with it or whether you're living the lifestyle. Um, and the thing is, is that you're not the only one in the boat here. If, if same-sex attraction is something that, or that, that lifestyle is what you're living out. Because anybody else that is, uh, having sex before marriage, that is having sex outside of marriage, um, or anything outside of a, of a man and woman married before God, I'm going to put them in the same camp and that they shouldn't be leading in the church it is probably where I would draw the line, but I am not about to kick them out of the church or tell them that they can't serve and they can't volunteer or that they can't interact with people. Because if you're going to do that, then you need to kick everybody else out. All these other sins that happen within somebody's heart, within their mind, uh, lust, envy, all of them. You just can't have anybody. Yeah, there's. Um, you've brought up some some interesting some interesting points. Um, it kind of starting. Well, let me start with what you just said. Um, I do. I think there is some distinctions that need to be made, right? And I think that's mm -hmm. what you're trying to do there at the end is. When we, I do, when it comes to homosexuality, I've become more careful now in talking about same-sex attraction as opposed to somebody who is habitually living this out uh, as something that they're comfortable with and that they're okay with. I think that anyone who is, again, we have, if we're having an, is an issue where someone is 
you know, stealing, let's say we have a church member that's stealing uh, from their company or yet they're stealing from the church. Mm -hmm. They're stealing. Okay. They're doing some kind of stealing. All right. I don't think if they're habitually living in it and there is no repentance for it, then they should not be a member, an active member of that church. That is my opinion. Right. And so I think when it comes to can you uh can you expand on what what do you mean by member so when like attending no on the volunteer board no great question so if somebody is a is a member of a church i think it's about being an active member of the body of christ okay okay so you're not talking like membership um, I think it's a little bit of both for me. I think that I know there's, I know you and I kind of disagree a little bit on church membership. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tend to be a fan of it because I think a lot of people tend to church hop and that is very annoying to me where you need to show some commitment to a local body that you can pour into day to day. Um, I think there's some importance to that, but let's go ahead and just make it broader for the sake of today. And just say it has to do with you're serving in the nursery, right? You're with children, you're greeting, mm. um, you're doing service projects, um, you're doing church events, uh, you're serving on committees in the church, you know, things of those sort. The people that are actively engaging um, in these sins with no repentance, um, it's it's possible that they should not be able uh, to engage in those kind of activities. Um, I think that, again, if someone... If someone came, I would want someone who is even actively living in a lifestyle homosexuality. I'd love for them to come to my church. I want them to attend. I want them to attend our church events. I want us to see what we're up to. I want them to see us serving. I want them to do all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but to put them in a position of of volunteering and having having influence over, say, you know, children or or representing representing the church body when they're actively living in a sin uh, that the Bible has specifically talked about. Like, again, again, take a guy who's who's actively stealing, right? And everyone knows that this guy is actively stealing, doesn't give a flying flip. And you're, you're like, you know, yo, what the heck? Like, why is this guy serving here? Like, this guy is a jerk. Like, I mean, that's not the nicest way of putting it. <laughs> but that's what people probably think. It's like, this guy, this guy is okay with it. And like, he's totally brazen about it. Mm-hmm. And he's fine. He's like, why are you letting this person serve? Why are you letting him, yeah, like, take the tithe basket around? Why are you letting him do these things? That'd be a pretty reasonable question to ask, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think I'm drawing the line between a certain level of attendance and coming to church because that's because you're right. Like, if you if you get rid of everyone because of their sin, there's going to be no one in the church, right? Mm-hmm. My biggest line here is drawing between attendance and quote unquote church membership or church body activity versus and also repentance and constant daily repentance right um that's a big part because we all sin right we all have sin in our lives we must be daily repenting but i'm talking about people who do not embrace christ Mm -hmm. and have chosen to actively live that lifestyle and try to fit jesus into their lifestyle to make it okay that i don't think is a good idea to allow somebody um, it honestly, it would be unloving to me. It would be very unloving to them because if we believe that this is something that's separating them from God yes. and we're allowing them to be deceived into thinking that they are being close to God, 
that's even more unloving and far more hateful. And you can even make an even greater statement that when we don't share the gospel, when given the opportunity, myself included here, right, mm-hmm. that we're not, we are being hateful if we truly believe that these sins separate us from a holy and perfect God, right? Um, so I think you, you're making some of those distinctions. I'm making some further distinctions. Um, do I think the church has been the best about um, these issues? I don't think they've been necessarily the best. I don't I've, even know that I would call them good, to be honest. I would, I, obviously, it de- I talking about churches is, as a whole. Yeah, I think this is an area where you and I might have some subtle disagreement and like some subtle differences as well. Mm-hmm. Where if you have... I think what happened in the church became reactionary. This is just my opinion, by the way. I think they became reactionary. That when culture comes after you with one idea, what do you do? You defend. And you immediately react and that's the one idea that they're reacting to, right? They're not reacting as much to the gluttony. They're not reacting to the stealing or whatever else, right? They're reacting to that one. And so they became reactionary and as a result became extremely defensive, um, which is a natural, which is a natural reaction. Like I can understand why they did what they did. Mm-hmm. But I think that there were some unintended consequences of, as you said, this appearance of they're putting it up on a pedestal. I don't know if that was necessarily what all churches intended to do, um, but it definitely did happen because culture culture kind of made it somewhat of an issue. Um, so I'm not saying, again, I'm not trying to necessarily defend the church. Mm-hmm. I think the church has made mistakes with this. I think that I, I, I hesitate to make broad statements because I do think it is an individual church by church thing. And what happens is when people have one issue with one church, they make it into a, well, all churches are like this, which right. that is also generalization can be good. Um, but in this case, uh, it can be dangerous. Now, if they're going to generalize and say, oh, the, the Bible doesn't believe that homos- practicing homosexuality is good, then yes, that is a, that is a correct generalization. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're, if you're talking about just the mistreatment of people who are coming to the church as as actively living homosexual and knowing like say they know that that's their lifestyle like oh sorry you can't even attend here you mm-hmm. can't even attend to hear a sermon like that yeah that's wrong because we want them to hear the gospel we want anyone who's living in sin whether it's um homosexuality or, or you know even as pervasive you know couples that are sleeping together and living together um we want them to hear the gospel and we want them to hear these things uh and and repent mm-hmm. um we're all there for daily for daily repentance and a reminder that we're sinners and that we're all in need of a savior um so i don't know if that makes a ton of a ton of sense but i'm kind of i'm pushing back a little bit on the generalization i understand why you did i totally understand mm-hmm. it i get it um but i think sometimes people will use one experience and say that this is how they all are, which is really sad because there are so many awesome Christians that I know that believe the same things that I do, and and I don't even know how they do it. They have such love and grace um, that you could never even call them hateful. Um, They're so wonderful, and and God really shines through them. Um, And so I feel, my heart hurts that people have had those kind of experiences. My heart hurts any time that someone has a negative experience uh, in the church because it doesn't re- represent the body. It doesn't. Uh, mm-hmm. And we know that we're not perfect in the church. Um, I've had situations that have made me upset as a believer that have changed the course of my life and others' lives. Um, and if they had just thought about what they did for half a second, maybe things would have been different. 
Um, and so I, I do want to just say I, I do I do sympathize and I do empathize um, as well. And I do, and I'm hitting on all your points because you had a lot of points. So I'm I'm, I'm shooting <laughs> back. I'm shooting back. Um, with when it comes to the empathy, I agree half ish 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 ish. <laughs> I agree half ish mm-hmm. um, because when it comes to the way that progressive Christians have empathy, I have thought the same thing that you have before. Of I'm like, man, I wish that we had the kind of empathy that they had and the the desire that they have. And I think part of that is true. I think sometimes I hear a lot of um, traditional Christians shout and then almost in defense of, and then just kind of not do anything. Like you see with progressive Christians that there's this desire to be empathetic. Mm. My issue with their empathy is that they make that the chief thing that they follow. That, Agreed. that if, I think what they, there needs to be a marriage happening of of wisdom, empathy, and love guided by wisdom. Mm. Yeah, even even if you take into account um, the ones that still keep Jesus, we'll say at the center of their religious beliefs, I I found that they only focused on particular aspects of him, and that is, we'll say the more grace loving and charitable uh side of christ but they they tend to they have to uh ignore the orderly part um the part where christ does give a framework uh for how he wants us to live our life and it's 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 ignoring that other part of him that he is a judge that he he is the creator um and he's not he's not just a gentle meek sweet loving grandpa that <laughs> that dotes on everybody that he can like that's just it's not him if and you I, read the gospels like he is he is ambitious he gets up during a festival and oh excuse me <laughs> <laughs> man my throat is so dry um but he gets up on the, at a festival and he says, I am living water, you know, come to me, you know, and don't thirst. It was paraphrasing it a little bit. Um, but there's nothing mild about his approach. Like to claim to be the son of God, that is not mild. That is not meek. It's no. pretty serious. Um, and so if you're going to make that claim, you're making a claim of moral authority. And so everything that he says, if he is the son of God, we have to follow those things because they ought to be true if he is what he claims he is. Now, if you f- say you follow Jesus Christ, but you don't take what he says seriously, you don't believe him to be the moral authority. You don't believe him to really be the son of God. That would be my argument because you can't, again, you can't have, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. And I think with progressives, I think that there is a progressive Christians. I think there is a mental struggle um, going on with they want to keep Jesus, but they don't want to keep everything that the Bible says. And so it's as you said, they're trying to take things and be like, okay, this is good. This is good. But this part. I can't fully understand it and I'm going to leave this alone or say that this is not the interpretation. And I have an understanding too. I'm sure you, when you listened to these progressive Christians that they had created some reasoning and probably coherent, understandable reasoning for why they did what they did or why they believe what they believe. So I'm I'm not Mm -hmm. necessarily saying they just 
oh, I just decided I'm not going to believe this. Like, I'm sure they created a reasoning for it. Yeah, um, and, so, and some had better better reasonings than others. Right, and so I want to give credit to that and say that, you know, I'm not trying to say anyone who's a progressive Christian is, is stupid or dumb. Not Nothing like that at all. Um, but I do think over a certain amount of time, there's a process that happens where you try to try to make sense of it by by shifting interpretation mm-hmm. uh, to what you want, whether it's with a really good explanation or you parrot something that you heard. It can honestly go either way. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to think of some of the other parts in those videos and just listening to the opinions of the progressive Christians. Um I think a lot of them, I think a lot of their views might be somewhat reactionary towards the more conservative views that they dealt with because uh, conservatives tend to be stuck in the mud sometimes. Like, this is what where we're at. What do you mean at. by that? So, and this is conservatives in general. And sure. Uh, when you're dealing with a, with a religion relationship, whatever you would like to call it, we'll call it religion for the sake of this discussion. When you're dealing with a religion that's been around for, uh, centuries at this but point. Jesus is my relationship, Connor. <laughs> Jesus is your boyfriend. <laughs> oh my gosh! Do you remember when that was a thing on Facebook, where all the yes. girls be like, "I'm in a relationship with Jesus." You know, it's not a romantic one. It's oh. just so. Cr- it was just so creepy to me. I remember being like, you know, fourteen, fifteen. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, just, just say that you're single. <laughs> like, it's fine. You don't need to be in a relationship <laughs> like that like that's weird like i know they didn't mean it to be weird like obviously um, it just was it was just so it was too much it was too much they had too much time on their hands mm-hmm. i wonder was this when facebook had pictures where you could like put a picture of your you know like when they're like in a relation because you because when you and like preston got married it was like your profile picture then her profile picture and be like you know connor anderson married preston anderson i if the other person didn't have a Facebook profile, I don't think you could do it. Okay. I, don't, I, I don't know that you could just upload a custom picture for that. Because I feel like us. I did like see a picture. I just like <laughs> I see this picture of Jesus, like like oh, <laughs> just like it's maybe maybe do. somebody went and made a person Jesus, and he was just in relationships with thousands of teenage girls in the tree. I don't know. <laughs> that is so <laughs> that creepy. It's wrong. It's wrong. Sorry. I just had to hit on the because there was a whole point when like Jesus is my religion. Some people are still into that. Like Jesus isn't my religion. He's my relationship which that's another that's another topic which is whatever but yeah. But, anyway go uh, ahead. <laughs> so uh, religion does fall in the I would say in the in the category for conservatism. Um it's something that's been around for a long time. It, it's it's stayed the same. It hasn't it hasn't particularly progressed. Um, You're talking about conservatism, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So they would be the ones that would push that would have pushed back at the time. Well, we'll we're going to use slavery again as an example. It would have been the progressive Christians at the time that were saying, "No, this is wrong, and we're going to push past this." And anybody that was probably fighting back against it, I would say, would probably would have been on the more conservative spectrum. They're trying to hold true to the beliefs and the doctrine that they have known for years that worked for their family. It's working. Uh, it worked for their you know, previous generations before, and they they tend to stay there. Um, I, I think we talked about it, and it is that, that old, old example of you know a, a, a liberal and a conservative are out in the forest, and they find a fence, and 
you know, the conservative goes, well, this must be here for a reason. I'm going to leave it here. And then the liberal goes, this is here and I don't like it. I'm going to get past it. But you don't know if that fence is keeping you in a penitentiary or if it's keeping you from going somewhere dangerous that you don't want to go. So basically what you're saying is that both sides, when they get wrong, they don't ask what the fence is for. Pretty much. Okay, I, I do agree with that. I do agree. Where I think sometimes... I'm, I'm going to go back to more traditional Christianity, not... Traditional Christianity. They, yeah, they, get, they get stuck on things and they hold they hold dear to it. And I mean, I think this is probably pretty pervasive within the Catholic Church. It's like you have no biblical foundation for a lot of this stuff. Yet you do it anyways. But I think for but from but for more traditional Christianity, I believe that there that there is a foundation. Like and but my point in saying is that I don't even think the foundation is there, but they don't know what the foundation is. Yes. Like if the if the foundation is the tree, they're like, well, the tree is here. We're just gonna keep it there. Mm-hmm. Instead of like say say the tree again is is um something that's always just been there. And the traditional Christian's like, well, the tree's just gonna be here and the more progressive Christian says, oh, let's let's chop it down. And, and then the traditional Christian just gets all upset. Like, why are you chopping down the tree? It's supposed to be here. Yeah. And they just kind of go around, but they can't explain why the tree is there. Right. So the progressive is like, why can't we cut it down then? And so... Yeah, and you know what? Maybe the tree was there for a good reason. Maybe it was there for a bad reason and it should be cut down. And and that's that's kind of, I think, the fundamental... Although, albeit really watered down version of where the the two the two sides come. Yeah, and there I want to make something very clear though that I don't agree with that there are things that cannot be cut down in Christianity. Like there is no compromise. Yes. Um, the things that I think would be willing to be reconsidered is how, in our own sin, we have, I'd say, been unloving towards people, mm-hmm. not necessarily in accepting their lifestyle, but in how we choose to treat them with I, I, whatever I think, lifestyle they have. I think that's probably a really good distinction to make between the the conservative and the progressive Christians in this case, where the the conservative Christians have largely failed in the past. And, and I'm going to stick to largely because you have so many disaffected people at this point. And even in the videos, you had people that went to multiple churches. Well, it wasn't just one church and it wasn't just two churches. It was three, four, five churches, the ones in their city, uh, just put them out. And, um, you're dealing with a lack of love and an enforcement of, we'll say the law that, that God has laid out. This is the framework. You need to live your life like this. And they they stick to that framework and that law because it's the conservative thing to do, but they totally neglect the loving part. And then you go to the other side and you get the progressives who are pushing past any of those fences, laws, and they're just all about you know the love aspect of Christianity. But then they just kind of move everything else out. And I think that's dangerous because... You can include a lot of things in that. Uh, right now, it's LGBTQI. Later, it could be uh, pedophilia. It just there's it's that it's that open door, and and it exists within Christianity. And the conservatives are going to have the conservative Christians are going to have an issue where it's like, look, if you don't move past what you guys have been doing, and you keep disaffecting people, you are just continually presenting a ruined image of Christ. To people that need him like you said you have to really hate people if you think that what you have is the keys or the the manual per se to eternal life that is 
given to us by God. You have to really hate people to be like, yeah, this is it. And you're just not fitting in it. So get out. Um, it's not any way that Christ ever spread a message before because he did go hang out and, and be with the people that were they're disaffected. And when it came to the religious, we'll say the conservatives of that time, he hit them with quite a bit of truth and they were the ones that got the most correction. Um, so for me, fundamentally, when I look at the way Christ interacted with them, I guess that's what I mean when there's, there's aspects of the progressive Christianity that I think need to be embraced, but they need to be embraced within a structure. They've done away with the framework and the structure and gone outside of it. Um, but I think there is something about their attitude towards people that, especially in this particular area where, where, like we said, this seems to be the key identifier where progressive Christianity kind of had its offshoot. Um, in, in how they handled that. And, uh, in this case, they just decided to fully accept it, uh, marriage between the, the same sexes and, um, transgenderism and everything else that's, that's come down the pipeline, uh, at this point. And like I said, not having that framework, so not believing everything that's in the Bible and they've dispensed with the framework. And I think that's where it gets dangerous as they start building their own framework as it's relevant to the time. Um, and, and it's important to note that God's word is, it's, it's not changing. Our understanding has definitely changed. We definitely have some of the crazy different privileges today in the modern world, uh, to understand about scripture as more things have been discovered or broken down or translated, uh, than what people used to have. But I, I still ha- kind of have a inherent issue with the way that the church has operated when it comes towards sin, particularly particularly this one. Um, and a distinction I wanted to make, I kind of wanted to loop back to it and it just reoccurred to me. I, you were, There's no more loop backs. We already did, we already did one loop. Circle back. <laughs> like Jen Psaki. Um, yes, I'm circling yes. back. Um, I, I think kind of a distinction for me within the church, you said kind of mem- membership with the church. I, I think for me, it's going to be more based on leadership. You want to serve at the soup kitchen with the church? Totally good with that. Uh, but I think, you know, teaching and leading children, a little bit of a different scenario. You're, you're a leader at that point. Um, and another distinction I would like to make is that if somebody is not professing to be a Christian and they are living this lifestyle, I'm not necessarily going to, I don't know that I'll necessarily issue, I'm not going to, I won't, I will not issue a correction to them because they are not making claim to believing in something that I believe that says one thing while they live another. But anybody that is within Christianity that's distorted it or cherry picked it or changed it for anything, not, not just homosexuality, to make it more accepting of what, how they are wanting to live their life they are the ones that I call out the ones that are brothers and sisters in Christ, or at least profess to be, and then do the opposite of what Christ says, then I am going to have a huge issue with them in particular. So a question for you, would you in a gospel situation, call someone towards repentance if they're living in a life of sin? Yes. So you would do that for someone. And we're using this example because we're using this example of someone who is living in a homosexual, actively living in a homosexual relationship. And claiming to be Christian or not? Not claiming to be Christian. Not necessarily. I don't think I would. 
that okay that's interesting so how would you reach them for the gospel then because the gospel calls for repentance right it it does and i wouldn't shy away from that but i think it's the i don't know you you would call it like the accountability supposedly um yeah this is like 1000 percent a rabbit trail (laughs) but you said and you said that i wanted to catch that because i want to make that I just that part doesn't make as much sense to me where let me if there's anyone that's living that's living in like anyone who's a Mm non-believer or we call them non-believers if they're non-christian um we know that they're not spending an eternity with god they're they're not following christ so see in that case it would have to be in an explanation where it's like look this is this is the way to salvation this is the way for your sins to be paid for but in order to get there, this lifestyle you're living, you can't. Like, it can't be a part of it. Um, okay, I think that's fair. Okay. Uh, that's that's okay. probably the better, that, okay. better way for me to, okay. to, to put that. Because I was like, wait a minute, th- then we can't we can't share the gospel with anyone. Because <laughs> I'm like, everyone is, is in need of a savior and is in need of, of repentance. Um, Let me so see. What are you looking up? I'm, I'm trying to find a particular scripture from verse... First, second Corinthians, and I'm just I'm kind of blanking on first or second or third Corinthians. You know, there's a third one, right? Yes, but not canon. Oh, wait, really? Uh, and maybe it's not Corinthians, but one of them does. Say the Corinthians. One of them there. There's other letters because you get reference in the beginning. Man, I wish I could remember which one of this. It's going to be one of you know all the books that are numbered in the New Testament, which is like half of them. <laughs> they um, all have a number. <laughs> you get you get reference in the first one that when who the author was wrote to them previously. So it's like we know that there was another letter, but it didn't make it. Sure. Yeah. That's um, I've been I've been trying to find books on how the Bible got canonized and how it came together, and I've been searching and searching, and I still need to keep doing that. There's there's some questionable stuff. Actually. Well, I just have to. I just have to. I can't really have a discussion because I don't know anything yet. No, it's a. But I just gotta look into it because I really. It's a really hard. It, yeah, it's really hard to get into it because there's like. The, I'm not prepared to get. In. I'm running on. I just finished um, doing a uh, fall retreat with our youth students. I always come do a podcast when my brain has been. Yeah, fried and you're like super tired and shredded. <laughs> I wish. I don't know yeah. how. I don't know how you manage it to to come out here. I and don't. Do that. I don't really know either. But I'm committed. I'm committed, and this is a fun topic too. And I've already had a lot of conversations about it, and mm-hmm. talking with you and disagreeing with you and making fun of you is always fun. So. Oh yeah, it's uh going to be First Corinthians five actually. Oh, um, you got it. Verse twelve is the one I want to. I want to hit on big time, but I'll I'll just I'll read the paragraph here, starting with verse yeah, nine. I was going to ask you to. Oh yeah, I'm not reading it outside of context. Gonna, I was going to say, I'm like, are you going to take it out of context? Or? Absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, First Corinthians five, uh, starting verse nine says, I wrote to you, and this is ESV by the way, but I wrote to you in my letter uh, not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you to not associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not to even eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? And they're specifically talking people outside the church. Uh, Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. 
And that is a very hard paragraph to take and would be actually an, an interesting podcast all on its own. It would be. Because th- yeah. so many people, and this has irritated me about Christians, so many people just profess, just like, don't, don't judge me. I, you we, can't judge we me. We talk about this only, all the time. Only oh God can judge me. Yeah. And it's like, um, are you living outside of the guidelines that God set? And you call yourself a Christian? You're going to get judged. And in fact, in that one, which is really interesting, don't even eat with such a person. That's harsh. But then for people that are outside of the church, it's not, it's not pertaining to them. Otherwise, yeah. I, and I love the example. It's like, well, then otherwise you just have to leave the world. Like, no, Paul, that. I love Paul because he is so blunt. He's like, just leave. He's like, just go. Don't and bother. I love how he talks about singles. Like, listen, I'd just rather you just be like me. <laughs> like, why can't you just do what I do? Um, love him. And I no, I, I agree with that. And also, I think I was having a discussion with, with someone else about this, too, of where sometimes the way that the English has been translated in the Bible that you have to look at which like Greek or Hebrew words for like for judge is mm-hmm. like there's like different meanings for different ones. So you have to look into that too. With English we only have there's only like the little one, the judge, and we put that in the in the scripture and <laughs> so there's you have to again, there is a little bit there's of There's so digging. much more context and like, yeah. English sucks as a language and I like English. No, I don't like it at all. I love English. I think it's great. No, it just, yeah, you, you have to be being sarcastic. See, I have to say that because my dad's an English guy. So if I get on here and I'm like, I hate English, I'm gone. I'm done. <laughs> there's no... Your dad loves no... language and particularly the one that he likes is the one that he knows, which is English. Yes. My... Not necessarily English because there's just so many things that don't no, make sense. No, he loves sense. English. There's so many things that don't make sense with it. His brain just loves it. He eats it for breakfast. He just loves it. Yes. No, I would pretty quickly if somebody gave me the option, okay, you're going to forget everything you know about English and you're going to know a totally different language. Would you do it? Yes. Oh my gosh, no. I, no I just, way. I don't, I don't like it. No. I love English. Oh, it's such a, a lazy language. <laughs> well, I mean, people have made it lazy with all the abbreviations. No, it's lazy. What? No, Connor. Yes, what do you it mean? is. What do you okay, mean? well, if everyone says, well, we'll, we'll take Hebrew real quick, and this is totally rabbit trailing, but we'll take Hebrew, and they've got at least seven, seven different words for what we have one word for, which is love, right? Mm-hmm. And the, all of those words have a totally different definition for the context of the love you're talking about. Are you talking about an inanimate object? Are you talking about a pet, a friend, a family member? I think they, it might even differentiate between parents and siblings for God and the English language. And this happens in a lot of other words because we just have so few words in our dictionary, it seems, compared to other, other languages out there. I, I think that the what you're trying to convey can get lost. And that's where I think some things are particularly dangerous when converting from Hebrew or Greek over to English when it comes to scripture, because they basically have to take, and I, I think this is the better way to do it, but you can't do a word for word translation because we don't have enough words to do a word for word translation. They, there are so many words in scripture that exist in the original uh the original language that just don't translate to us. So they have to take the concept of the passage and do their best to translate the the concept. And sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's not very good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I see, that's, I see that's, what you're saying. That's kind of where my, my distaste for English starts. And then okay. we, we get into some of the All other right. the words that spell. And I do think Hebrew is cooler, but I still like English. I still respect English. English is good. I like it. You can um, like it. I don't, I'm not particularly fond 
on an off note, after I read Animal Farm, my dad read it again. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I think I saw that he posted that on Facebook, actually. Yeah, he, he did. He posted an excerpt from it. He did. Great book, guys. You should read it. You should read it. It's short, and it's good. Yeah. So. But uh, jumping, ba- jumping back to the yes. context of progressive Christianity, I, I think... And it would be really interesting to have a conversation with somebody um, is they ultimately reject the Bible as the framework for how to live your life um, and how you have to in order to be a progressive Christian. Yeah. And I guess my question to them is who's making the framework now? You? Then who's then the question is who's God? Is it you or is it? Uh, I mean, that's that is what it sounds like. Do we trust? And is I, culture God? Because that seems to be something that a lot of them kind of went along with it. And and I have and I and I have to stress that when it comes to um, same sex attraction tendencies, I can't believe we've gotten onto this one where we. I feel like we're like topic on the table, progressive Christianity, and then it's well, also, I mean, this is this is like its big focal point. Um, sure. Ah, you made you made me you threw me off track there. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I didn't. Oh mean yeah, to. no. Now I'm really off track. Oh no, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Jordan's interjections. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I feel bad. Um, what were you talking about? Hang on. I can't remember either. Oh my gosh, my brain is <laughs> freezing on itself. There's yep. gonna be dead silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't want there to be dead silence. Yeah. Um, Oh my gosh, it's like it's you almost said about there. same sex attraction. The thing about same sex okay, attraction. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. So same sex attraction when it comes to something like that, when you're dealing with wanting to be in that relationship with a person, a really like the closest relationship that you can have with an individual on the face of this planet, that's where your struggle is. I cannot imagine how difficult that is. Uh like that that gentleman in the video that I watched who gave that up to make sure that he was in line with what Christ said. And I have the, I don't know if there's another person out there and another type of struggle that somebody could have that I might, that I would have more respect for, because I think that is probably tops it for me. Like, and, and this it is, is the ultimate, it's one, not the ultimate, but is one of the greatest ways of dying to flesh when, when, and one of the most difficult, I, I would because say culture says embrace the flesh. And this guy is making, and Sam Albury also, he's a he's a well-known pastor in the UK who has same-sex attraction mm-hmm. um, and has chosen a celibacy as well. That is a huge sacrifice. Um, and he and he he's written he's written a book on it and, and explained all that stuff. But it is it is throwing it is giving is killing your flesh when, mm-hmm. when the culture says to embrace it, um, and that takes. We should all be doing that more in our lives. Um, it doesn't have to be same-sex attraction. It can be other small things. And the small things matter. Mm-hmm. They matter. Um, so not to discount at all. No, um, not not to discount. But it just for for me, it's like I have my own, in, my own impulses and vices that I have to grapple and deal with. And none of them have to pertain to that that type of a relationship that I might desire that I, I have to just, I can't have it. And I think that this is a, I have to give it up. Right. 
And this is a good, I think this could be even like a good ending point of like, we've talked about some of the problems that we have with the church, talked about the problems with progressive Christianity, Mm -hmm. about people who are struggling with same-sex attraction. One thing that I have seen is that they have a hard time talking about it in the church, um, where there needs to be an open dialogue about it, because I think there's more, actually, I've actually had conversations where there is more same-sex attraction than we realize. People just hide it because they're like, what are they going to think of me? Yeah, um, the, the stigma from past generations is is strong. Right. And to have same-sex attraction and to have no one come alongside of you, one, that's where Satan wants you, is he wants you alone. Uh, he wants you to feel that way so he can twist you around, and he does not that not just with you know, you know hiding a, a same-sex attraction, but any sort of... I don't want to say sin is because same sex attraction, they haven't acted on it. So there, there's not that, but mm-hmm. if you're hiding anything or you're dealing with a situation, Satan likes to have you alone. Um, that's just what he likes to do where there, we need to have as a whole with the church, like all the churches is having an openness about talking with people about it to come alongside them because nothing, which is not conversion therapy, by the way. No, 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 not, not in the slightest. I'll use a, an example that's not as good but i hope you see my point in it okay where like i'm a single woman in the church right and i don't have i don't have the support of a partner i just don't have anybody being single i've had an issue in my church lately of being single and being completely ignored where i sit alone all the time there's no group they have no group for me that group for married people mm-hmm. um but they don't have groups for for anyone who's single um they use singles for volunteers most churches do this it's this feeling that you're alone now some of this has started to change where they're like we see that this is a huge problem and they start building a community group and people to hold each other accountable when it comes to being single, like I actually like, oh, like this actually isn't too bad because I have a community that supports me and I have accountability. And so again, not a perfect example. I'm not trying to make an example about the sexuality. I'm making an example about the community aspect Mm -hmm. that having a community that comes alongside you will make it easier. It does not mean that there are not painful times, um, Mm -hmm. but having community is there. And when someone who is a professing believer who has same-sex attraction, who has chosen to put that aside, to sacrifice that part of their flesh, to follow Jesus, we need to be giving them the support from the church and we need them to feel open enough and feel like it's a, I hate this word like this, but because it's been misused so many times, a safe place um, where they can actually do that and, and be able to talk about their struggles. Right. So does that make sense? Yeah, uh, and I definitely agree that it is... I, I think we luckily we are seeing some churches progress past the the old stigmas that they used to have and learning better ways to to communicate with those that have been disaffected, um, especially because this is this is a very hard personal thing to struggle with. And um, man, like Jesus does love everybody, and He did die for everyone, and um. As Christians, we do want everyone who is who is willing to to come to Christ. I mean, even the, I want the people that are even unwilling. But you know what? I'm not going to force it on them. I can't force it on them. Mm-hmm. That's a decision that they have to make. But um, you know, whatever the stigma of is the church. Hopefully, as time progresses, people like you and me and others that we know can continue to change um, 
how they approach this this particular subject, uh, which is has been the pinnacle of progressivism and I, or progressive Christians. And I don't think that the framework that the progressive Christians are abiding their life by is helping anybody in the long run. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think so either. And um, I think we're I think we're kind of on the same page in that regard. I mean, some things we're not, but I think <laughs> we're on. <laughs> yeah. That's the beauty of discussions. Oh, is it? I love it when that happens. It's always more fun. I always, I always say it's like it's more fun when you disagree. I love disagreeing with you because I don't feel like we're gonna kill each other. It's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice. I enjoy that. <laughs> it is really good, and I've I've definitely really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I know I was a little bit hesitant about it beforehand because I just was like I feel like I haven't touched on this topic yeah i had to guys i had to i had to like coax him out you know (laughs) i I talked about for days i was like come on we can we can do it we can do it and again a casual conversation you know nothing nothing crazy nothing insane yeah and you know what you left it totally open for me to decide and i was like i'm gonna look for a different topic and i couldn't find it so i was just like well i told mm -hmm. him i told him he could do something else if he wanted you know what maybe this is uh this is god's way of saying no you need to just talk about this um so i think it's important you know, for anybody in our lives that are you know, struggling openly or, you know, struggling internally with it, you know, there, there are people that will come alongside you and we're not going to throw you in a conversion camp or just scream yeah, and tell you you're going yeah. to hell. Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> Screw you guys. Oh, Connor. Connor no. that's, I mean, that's true. They're, they're not a good church. No, I showed, I showed you their, their website. Hyperlink. Yeah, no, I remember. Um, I can't repeat it on here. Yeah. I, yeah. It's like that's so that's bad. how that's uh that's how bad it is and that is Ugh. somebody who yeah oh gosh luckily it's a family and their neighbor the last time i looked into that and <laughs> hopefully their church is in shambles it's, yeah it doesn't even it deserve be. to be called I was a church say, it doesn't even deserve to be called a church it's a cult um, at that point yeah no for sure um but, but uh i think i don't know i feel like that wraps i mean i honestly think we could probably do another episode at some point with like a little bit more probably could it would but this is a good initial i don't know this is a good initial conversation for me i agree i've enjoyed it and uh next week looking like probably another episode of news corner we got a lot to cover we We got a lot to cover but honestly we're probably going to get stuck on just two topics which is a lot to cover (laughs) (laughs) we will be looking at maybe the outcome of the uh kyle rittenhouse trial from the Kenosha shootings and also uh, the FBI raids on Project Veritas and Oof. leaking private communications uh, to the New York Times. Oh, that's going to be fun. It, I'm ready. It's going to be interesting. We got a lot to cover, so uh, we got to break this that down a, for the week. This is a good break, though. This is a good break. Yeah. No. Good uh, Good conversation. Jordan, thank you for coming back again. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you don't have anyone else, so that's it. it this is what it is. <laughs> But seriously, uh, good conversation. Um, we'll be doing more of these types of discussions. Uh, if you have something you want us to talk about, uh, let us know, and we'll see if we can talk about it. But if it's something like completely obscure that we have, like we know nothing about, <laughs> um, we probably won't. <laughs> um, Is I that a flood of things along the lines of flat Earth theory come to mind? Oh my gosh, we are not discussing flat Earth theory. <laughs> I refuse. That's just gonna be you talking. Like I refuse to speak words at that point. It's round. All right. Okay, great. Glad we did that. Uh, but seriously, if you have any topics, uh, let us know. We'll look into it. Yeah, check back in uh, next Tuesday for the next episode. We'll be going on episode nine, actually. What? Should we have like a special, like, should we wear party hats for our 10th episode? They can't see it. 
but we can. Right, I'll, put, I'll put a, I'll put a, mm, <laughs> no, let me think about that. I don't know if I'm going to do it. No, I'm going to bring party hats. It's, it's on now. It's on. We're going to have party hats. Gosh. No. <laughs> don't worry, guys. It, there's going to be party hats specifically for Connor. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, follow us on uh, Spotify. Uh, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Website still in the work, getting closer and closer to having that up. So close. And uh, also on YouTube, we post uh, the entire podcast there along with some pictures so you can see our beautiful faces. And uh, we also post extended clips from within it and there will be uh youtube shorts to come as well which will probably be the ones you find us on instagram and facebook where you can also follow us yeah you can follow us there that's so fun yeah great other than that you guys can catch us next week all right adios